What's up gamers, I'm Tori Dominguez. And I'm Noah Hertz. And welcome to Press Start. It's a podcast that we will never charge listeners $8 to listen to. Is is that anything? Yeah, no, I mean, you can give us $8 uh, if you want. Yeah, we're um, not going to complain, of course. We're not going to complain, but we're not going to make you pay $8. Um, have you seen, yeah. there's this Twitter thing right now where people are adding, I, I, I don't know if it's a quote unquote thing or if it's just like four people I've seen on my Twitter dashboard, but I've seen like <laughs> a couple of people adding rats to the end of their username and saying that they've been hashtag rat verified. <laughs> no, I haven't. But I did see I did see that Elon was pleading with Garfield um, that he would lower the price of Twitter blue to five dollars and throw in a tray of lasagna for, for Garfield himself. Don't know if that deal applies to everyone. Yeah. I, did you see the really pathetic back and forth with Stephen King where Stephen King was like, if I have to pay twenty dollars, I'm getting off of this platform. And Elon Musk was like, well, you have to pay for things that you like. What about eight dollars? And it's like, I feel like I feel like I'm not I'm not a business guy. I, I but I feel like rule number one of business is if you've don't hit charge the stage, people for things that have been consistently free is is a pretty big. I also no-no. feel like if you're at the stage where you're pleading with uh, horror author Stephen King to give you a paltry amount of money every month, then your platform is probably just shit the bed. <laughs> Yeah, it, it has effectively shit the bed. But what hasn't shit the bed is the holidays are coming up. And we have some cheery holiday Elon Musk free news, festive news. Yeah, we'll have plenty plenty to say about Twitter and Elon Musk later in the episode. But before then, we have a fun announcement. As gamers, uh, we and I'm sure most of our listeners know that one of the best parts of the holidays are getting new or new old video games and we thought well you know what we've had a video game podcast for a year what the fuck let's make sure that people can get a video game this holiday so we are holding the first official press start holiday video game gift exchange so starting the day this episode comes out we're going to have a live link on our social media feeds and in the description of pretty much every episode now for the next month that will take you to a Google form that you can fill out with some information about your gaming interests, your non-gaming interests, and then a couple other things like that. And we will collate all that information. And at the end of November, I will, using some random number generator magic, mix all of these people up randomly and assign you a secret Santa slash gift exchange partner. And midway through December, we will allow people to uh, send in little voice memos if they do so choose about the games they receive from their little gift exchange and we'll add those onto the show. So I think it'll be really cute. I've never done a secret Santa before. I'm pretty sure nothing bad can happen from doing something like this. So (laughs) I feel like the worst thing that could possibly happen is someone gets like a hentai game off of Steam for their gift exchange. But like, I feel like I feel like if that's the worst thing that can happen, this is probably a pretty painless thing. So pretty pretty harmless, I would say. So the sign up period for that is going to be live through the end of November. Like I said, we're going to launch it in like the day you're listening to this and the link will be in the description and on our Twitter feed and wherever else we post things. I think it's mostly just here in Twitter and, and it will be live through the end of November. And then in the first couple of days of December, that's when you'll be matched up with people and there's more information on the Google form. So click on that. If that's something you're interested in, share it with your friends, 
tell them to listen to our show. Even if they don't listen to our show, tell them to fill out the Google form and check it out. So I think that's, I think that's that. Um, get, get used to us plugging this for the next month or so, because we'll probably be kind of not shutting up about it as long as it's something that is available. So other than that, I think we can get into some gaming news. Yeah, so some gaming news is, well, it's not exactly gaming, but like, obviously Twitter has been going through it, and <laughs> we kind of have to talk about it because it affects like games media and the way the gaming community like interacts with each other and, and whatnot. And one already pretty prominent like loss has been Nibelian or Nibel, I hope I'm pronounced that correctly. Um, but anyway, this guy, you know him as at N-I-B-E-L on Twitter. And his his uh, his avatar was the, the guy from Mob Psycho, which I think his name is Mob. I don't know. I haven't watched Mob Psycho. But... Yeah, but basically, Nibel was like a great gaming news aggregation source. Like, instead of having to like follow Polygon and follow IGN, which I do follow those outlets, yes, mm-hmm. but like... Nibel could just be like essentially your AP wire service for gaming yeah. news. Yeah, that's like, exactly what they were. And that is like such a good comparison. <laughs> Nibel was like this really great indispensable source for people who are into gaming news and even for people like us. And they announced recently that they are discontinuing their Patreon and deleting their, they were like making their Twitter account private and kind of going off the grid uh, because they basically tried to make twitter news posting a a model to make a living off of and they they did try to expand with patreon but it just turned out to be not a very sustainable model for them financially and they decided they were putting in more effort than they were essentially getting back and have yeah. decided to to close up shop and it's it's pretty sad um it makes me wonder about like how could things have gone differently if they had decided a platform like tiktok might have worked i don't know um, they probably thought about that a million times anyway, but it's really sad. And it that and the recent takeover, you can say takeover, um, the recent like change in Twitter uh post yeah. Elon Musk. It the vibes are off, man. Yeah, the vibes, the vibes are, are really the off. vibes are really off. <laughs> but it, it is really interesting that there was a really good discussion about this on uh, the last episode of Waypoint Radio, too, so I won't like relitigate too much of the points that they made. But I really think it's interesting that he's not pivoting, you know? They're not pivoting. They're not pivoting at all. They're just, they're just jumping ship. Like, hey, guys, thanks for the memories. I'm going to go back to like running a bowling alley or being a CPA or whatever it is the person behind this account does. Like, I think that's kind of fascinating that... Twitter Twitter created a space for this person to do this and like you said they had experimented with models that paid and like this is this isn't couched in anything this isn't like oh well I wanted to leave for some time and I have decided coincidentally I'm going to leave now like they they made a post on Twitter before locking their account not deleting their account but locking it so that nobody could take the URL and like do anything funky with it they made a post that does outright say that like Twitter Twitter has never experienced good leadership and this trend will not change with Musk either. I do not trust the platform. I do not trust Musk and his seemingly infinite immaturity. So it's I mean the list of people who have left left completely on Twitter is like very short so far, but I I like to see people putting a foot down, you know, and like 
like you said, he was like the AP wire service of Twitter, and it sucks that we're gonna lose of, that of for gaming news. Update, yeah, and there yeah, are other people, but but it still sucks that like this particular account that seemed to do it so so well and did things especially kind of uniquely is is just out of here so i don't know yeah and it's got me thinking like obviously one i think major fallacy of like journalists as a whole is that sometimes we like to create a social phenomenon where whether quite isn't one yet you know what i mean like yeah think about like the whole quiet quitting shit like we see two people do a thing and we're like everyone is doing that and it's like hold on um, so I'm not going to be like everyone is leaving Twitter, but I, I, I just, but I can can't, I just feel like the vibes are fucking off mm-hmm. and it's just getting weird out there. Mom, come pick me up. This party's getting weird. Um, and I've just been noticing and like, this is about to sound very narcissistic. So like mm-hmm. very big disclaimer, very- I, don't really, <laughs> I don't really give a shit how many people like my tweets. However, yeah. as a person who has studied like engagement journalism, like audience journalism, and I've seen like the way people interact with media is a very fascinating thing to me. Um, and like one thing I know for sure, having had like studied aspects of this before, is that people love posts with animals. Mm-hmm. Like those are some of the most liked content. People fucking love animals. Animals, particularly cat videos, are the most <laughs> popular searched non-pornographic form of video on Even the entire still? internet. Like, even, even in still, our year of the Lord, 2022? Yes, people <laughs> like cat videos almost as much as they like jerking off, okay? Like, That's people nuts. love animals. With that in mind, some of my most liked tweets either involve my cats, career announcements, or hiking nature pictures. So I decided to do a little experiment. I haven't had any big career news recently. I haven't hiked in a few weeks. But I do consistently own cats. And so I decided to like post a couple of recent cat pictures. And I got to say, they're not raking in the same amount of likes as they used to. They're raking in like about half the amount of likes as they used to. This is a stupid fucking experiment. But what I'm trying to say is like, if the cat pictures aren't even hitting the same way anymore, it's because I legitimately think people are starting to leave this platform. Not because my cats are less likable. But people who are even heavy users of this platform, such as myself, are starting to use it less heavily or even not at all. And I think there's something to be said about that. Yeah, this is what I wanted to ask you was like, where where you're at with this? Like, because I I know Twitter has kind of turned into LinkedIn for media people, you know? Yeah, like like, I've been doing that. I've been to. Hey, Third Coast followed me back. In a lot of ways, I feel like people people in or around media. I'm not sure I would say that I'm in media. You are definitely in media. I, you I are literally say, a journalist, bro. You I, are I know, in but, media. Shut the I fuck know, up. I know, but I'm not. I'm not in like one of these like insular Twitter communities, you know. And like, no, I'm <laughs> not. Like the 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 Tampa Bay Times has not tweeted at me like, "Hey, want a job?" Like, I'm not getting any That's jobs true. from Twitter. I have gotten exclusively jobs from Twitter. See, yeah, I'm not quite there yet, but I I'm holding out that the possibility might be there sometime and i'm starting to kind of like dial back the amount of like personal stuff i put on my twitter and i'm kind of just like i'm not going to delete my twitter account but i'm definitely planning on kind of dialing back a little bit how much i post on it like where are you at with that i still post about the same but i i do think i will be keeping it for networking purposes as you said like yeah i that's just simply how you get jobs yeah, uh, it just it just is that what I was starting to notice, though, was and this caught my 
attention. Um, when Bo Burnham promoted Ace Grade, <laughs> okay. um, he did like a speaking tour promoting it. And this one video has been resurfacing on Twitter and it was about him talking, particularly about, I believe, Twitter and social media, um, about like how one of the reasons why they're so addictive is because of shareholders wanting growth. And the only way you can drive growth is by increased user like engagement. And how yeah. do you drive engagement is basically by programming an addiction into existence. Um, and it's just very poignant. It's like very like, yes, yeah, social media is addictive. We all know that. But yeah. it, it just it just like was very fitting of the moment. And I retweeted it and it's just very relevant. And I've just been noticing myself. I'll like almost compulsively refresh my feed. And I've been doing that since I was 14. And there's just less posts. And people seem pretty somber. Mm-hmm. It just has like a weird, I guess I just can't stress how weird the vibes are, I guess. And yeah. it's just making me think about like, okay, so is this the time that maybe you and I should talk more about a Patreon? Is yeah. this a yeah. time where I should look into co-hosts? I know you have. I don't yeah. even know how that even works. Is it, is it time to be real? <laughs> it, I, I don't want to join be real <laughs> Jesus it's interesting Christ. you've seen a change in your feed though because I haven't really noticed any kind of huge change in my feed yet maybe that's just by nature of the fact that I'm following a lot of journalists who are like almost exclusively using it for work already so it's like the amount of that has not really changed much on my end but I'm kind of curious to see how much of this people like I'm getting off of Twitter and never coming back is just bluffing. Yeah, it's it's very, it, I hate to say it, but like, it's very like if Trump wins, I'm moving to Canada. Like, Yeah, yeah. Check, check up back on them in four months. But when the way the website is constructed means that there are people who will experience a higher likelihood of being involved in a harassment campaign, like, get the fuck off that website. Like, if if you don't need it for work or like to stay connected with a huge group of people even if you do get them all to move to a new website tumblr's got tits again move to tumblr like tumblr I- has <laughs> tits again should we get on tumblr Honestly, i'm still on tumblr they, <laughs> i think they've been holding that up their sleeve for just the perfect moment yeah and as soon as all of this shit went down with twitter they were yeah. like release the boobs yeah. like it was such a funny post they made about it too like it was like a <laughs> declaration it's such like a it's such like a tongue-in-cheek thing too when they post about it they were like we will now open we will now uh loosen up our restrictions on pictures of the human form and then in parentheses it says like yes that means breasts or something like that and yeah it's it was like, like the naked form <laughs> it's like they know wink, what they're wink. fucking doing um Hell yeah, Tumblr. Yeah, maybe press start Tumblr. How are we press feeling? Press start Tumblr. How, maybe, how are maybe. we feeling? Hey, maybe. I I lurk on my old Tumblr that I made in like 2012, but I don't really like post a whole lot. Jesse I gotta say, found like, my Tumblr from 2014, and it was a very um, intimate relationship experience. Nice. Um, as he was uh, experiencing my past self, but he also had a very cringy Tumblr where he would mm-hmm. write poems about trains. Ooh, that's pretty good. Which that's that's a lot. Um, mine was just a lot of Steven Universe fan posting. I was not here creating my own original content. 
like he was um, about trains. Um. My now girlfriend was one of my first followers on Tumblr back in the day because we've like known each other for a really long time. Oh, so like, really I don't even need to worry about her seeing that stuff. She's seen me go through. So she she I saw me that. at like peak super who lock. So like, Ooh. we don't need to worry about that. We don't need to worry about yeah. that. I, I was mostly a Doctor Who fan. I didn't really give too much. I like Sherlock was all right. I was, I was like, oh, I was into Sherlock, but not the other two. I'm almost certain we've talked about this before. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> no, I, I did want to talk a little bit about. You mentioned co-host. Um, I did make an account on co-host. Follow me on co-host Noah hyphen Hertz spelled H U R T S. I don't know how long people are going to stick with co-host, but if Twitter has like really weird energy right now, co-host has the energy of like. Like people, people diving into a new frontier, like bright eyed and incredibly optimistic. Like the way co-host works is it's kind of like if you took Twitter and Tumblr and jammed them together. So it's, it's a Tumblr style dashboard and a Tumblr style thing where like, there's no such thing as like recommended posts. There's no algorithm showing you things. The only way you discover new content is by following people from other platforms or searching tags. So, oh no, my co-host dashboard doesn't have any posts on it. If I, I maybe I want to see Doctor Who posts, I'm going to search tag Doctor Who and I'm going to scroll through and I'm going to find people who I like based on stuff they've tagged, which is like very old Tumblr type vibes. But then it also has like a Twitter type thing where so far, at least where I've been, it's mostly text posts. A lot of the people I follow are people I follow from Twitter who have like Mm -hmm. moved over or created an account on there to kind of dabble with it a little bit. And you also don't have your own blog. You have a profile that basically gives you the same amount of space as like a Twitter bio, but it doesn't look like there's any kind of limit on it. I saw, um, I don't remember if this was somebody I knew or if this was somebody random. Someone had copied the entire text of the Book of Revelations and put it into the bio box and it let you do it. It just it was an infinite scroll bio. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so it's, but it's very, um, it's very interesting the way it's being handled. The staff are very open about what they're doing at any given time. Your, any, your dashboard looks like a middle box where it's your feed of posts. The left side is like, take me to my followers page or my following page. And then the right side is just like the change log of like, here's what we've done most recently. And then here's the stuff that's coming down the pike. And, like, posts do not show the amount of likes they received. Every post, or people have been calling them chosts, because it's co-host. Every chost, every chost has, uh, you can leave comments on it, you can rechost it, or you can like it. And you can see the comments left, the number of comments, but you can't see how many times something has been rechosted or liked. So there's no, there's no competitive nature to it. There, it does not feel like it's a space that has been created for you to, like, got to make that next viral post it's it's very much it feels like it was made for writers and people who just want to be able to blog basically in a communal space and it's really interesting and i i don't know if i'm going to stick with it but i i have really been enjoying messing with it and like following some people that i know in the past week that i've been playing with it so i recommend checking out co-host and even if you don't check out co-host, I recommend spending less time on Twitter generally. So yeah, I'm also trying to spend less time on Twitter. Um, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna check out co-host. Um, yeah, probably give tonight. it a look. It's fun. I, yeah, I'm in- I'm interested for sure. So pivoting off of that, that was kind of a downer, but I feel like we just had to say it because 
social media plays such an interesting and integrated role and in, I would yeah. argue insidious role in our lives. And it was just worth bringing up um, something that is less insidious and just real, real dumb, <laughs> real funny, <laughs> real funny. So in, in the true big mode spirit, Sega says that they uh, they've said that they want to make a, quote, super game. Uh, what that means, no one fucking knows. Uh, I think I think we're due for Shadow the Hedgehog too. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, the definition of a super game to them is a game that sells six hundred million dollars in lifetime sales. Um, n- pretty much no <laughs> game has sold that much in lifetime <laughs> sales. Uh, even really popular games like Minecraft, like no one yeah. has actually cracked that number. So, I, I don't know. I'm just going to read what you had to say on the Google Doc out loud. You said in all caps, open world, echo the dolphin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't really have anything to add. I would just like to see that. <laughs> yeah, personally, w- would enjoy that very much. I think they should bring back echo the dolphin and make it open world. Um, I do want to share a few just like, so they, the super game, like you said, it's like big mode. It's like Sega has come to the conclusion that if we just make a good game, people will buy it. Which it's very interesting because they're like uh, I'm pulling a little bit of data here. This is from an article on Nintendo Life where they pulled a additional big quote from this big long report that Sega put out that says from the CEO of Sega, they're trying to develop the kind of game that quote that kind of community expands and further develops game content, adding value to the game that is unimagined by developers and sparking a broader movement which can draw in even more users and grow the game's presence dramatically. So it kind of sounds like they want to make a games as like a live service type game. But they've also said that they want to make a game that is just like so revolutionary that it will just continue to draw in an insane amount of people. And I can't help but wonder, like part of me, the cynic in me, because this is from a business report, says like Sega just wants to make a live service game. They just want to make like a like a Destiny 2 or mm, like Overwatch. A po- an Overwatch, a Pokemon Go, like something that is just such a flash in the pan that gets so many people playing it and gets and then try to hold that up and bring more people in. But I the, the use of the word revolutionary makes me wonder if like Sega is now trying to chase like whatever the next big thing is going to be. Like mm. maybe it's maybe it's not a games as service shooter like a Fortnite, maybe it's something else. And I of all the people to make this call, like, I don't think it's super out there that it's Sega. Like, they did develop what was basically the first console MMO for the Dreamcast in Fantasy Star Online. So, like, it's not unheard of for them to be throwing a bunch of money into something with the idea that they would, like, bring in a big audience that would stay there. But I I don't know. Sega has not... I I can't say Sega hasn't had a lot of hits lately because like they own Atlas now and Atlas has had a lot of hits. So it's not like Sega's been failing. Yeah. But like they they have not hit their their pre-1999 peak like since 1999. So I I I mostly want to joke about this because it's funny and the the idea of maybe Shadow of the Hedgehog 2 is the super game is interesting, but if it were any other company, I would find it funnier. But the fact that it's Sega kind of has like this nostalgic pill in the back of my brain. Like, 
maybe they will do something kind of cool. So I don't know. Yeah. They probably they probably won't realistically. They they're just gonna keep won't. they're just gonna keep making shitty Sonic games and uh yeah. Which speaking of, I saw some some gameplay leaked of uh Sonic Frontiers. Somebody went on 4chan and just like posted a shitload of gameplay of it. Which, okay, what was it don't like? Go to, don't go to don't go to 4chan to see it. There was a Reddit thread on uh, r slash gaming leaks and rumors. <laughs> don't go to 4chan, period. But yes, don't go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it looks it looks fine. I don't know. It uh, it the menus and the the music cues that I heard in like the two, couple of minute long videos I watched. <laughs> literally just sound like breath of the wild so the the level to which they are aping breath of the wild is kind of uncanny at this point <laughs> but I, yeah. it looks it looks kind of fun like you run around and you know how like when link climbs you get that little green bar above you that's your stamina like when sonic mm -hmm. runs you get a little blue bar above you that is looks the exact same and reduces it like the exact same clip but it's boost so i i don't know if it takes if it takes ripping off a like really good game for sega to develop like the next interesting thing for sonic i'll take it but i don't i don't think sonic frontiers is their super game i'm gonna be honest yeah that's uh that's fine um yeah i i just it just is fucking ridiculous to me um another thing that god uh well i can let you i did see on twitter that um a like erotic video game by <laughs> Sega from like way back in the day was yeah. recently like unearthed. Can yeah. you explain that? Yeah, so uh I'll drop this in the description. This is from the website Gaming Alexandria. This is a game called Sacred Pools. This was an unreleased FMV game that was supposed to come out in 1997 for the Sega Saturn and it was developed by a team within Sega called Sega Soft, which was like this division that they made with the intent of them making games for like the Saturn, the PC, the Mac, and maybe even the PlayStation. So this was kind of a this was a weird transition period, 1997 here, where like Sega was starting to see the writing on the walls that they might not be able to be solely a console and then software for that console developer anymore. So this game, Sacred Pools apparently did or it apparently was shown off at e3 1996 but everybody thought it looked like shit and so it just never showed up again and um like rumors have been circulating for a while that it might still be out there and that someone might have a prototype of it or something and it was all bullshit because nobody ever showed any pictures and then boom this copy arrives i'm reading from gaming alexandria let's see uh, in May of 2022, Gaming Alexandria was informed by Joe Kane, avid game collector and former game tester at Sega of America, that an old colleague had several CD-ROMs of Sacred Pools in their possession. That colleague was David Gray, who worked as an associate producer on the game alongside high-ranking members of SegaSoft. The discs were given to Gray as a parting gift in 1999 during the final days of SegaSoft. <laughs> so they were oh like, adios, everybody. We're going to go make games for the Xbox here is a shitload of discs for this erotic FMV game. So <laughs> it was, this game is, it's, it was exactly what it says on the box. It was a, it was an FMV game. It was planned to be an FMV game. The original press release for the game reads, if you crave mystery, power, and seduction, step into the world of sacred pools. The once secure, safe, and beautiful island of Amazonia is now a land of temptation and danger. So there, there were rumors floating around for a very long time that this game had like full frontal nudity, 
but it does not, in fact, have any, quote, hardcore sex scenes, and it also doesn't actually feature any real nudity, just, like, skimpy costumes. So it's it's just a fun, it's just a fun game that, well, it's not a fun game, but it's a fun example of something that has, like, vanished and then all of a sudden shown back up and all of these urban myths that people thought were just urban myths are now totally true yeah it's so interesting watching like the trailer for this Mm -hmm. um on gaming alexandria's website because the aesthetic of it the like spaceship aesthetic of it is like kind of star trek like deep space nine e and also kind of like x-files or some like 1990s like like sci-fi hot girl like thing going on here mm-hmm. that is like tickling a core memory of mine of like all <laughs> the sci-fi and horror shit my mom would watch mm-hmm. when i was really young um but it's so interesting this is called an erotic thriller maybe it's because like i grew up in a different era where like what is considered like i don't know like sexual is just like there's just a different bar but I'm just like, yeah, these are just some hot girls walking around. Like, yeah. I don't really, I was expecting something a lot more raunchy. It's just it, like, this is just something, this is like, just kind of like hot girls cosplaying. I don't know. Yeah, it basically is just hot girls cosplaying. And it's it's very funny because it's from this era, like the mid to late 90s in games where like, it, games could kind of be anything. And that's that, true. That was that meant that maybe they could just be like an erotic VHS tape that you had to click every so often, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe that's what games can be. And nowadays, like we finally reached a stage again where that kind of thing is possible, thanks to like the the independent sphere and people being able to publish just about anything on the Internet. But like, I feel like there was a significant chunk of time where this kind of a game just could not have actually existed. So it's it's very interesting when stuff like this gets unearthed. It's I don't think it was one of like the uh one of like the white whales of the lost games community, but it is cool to see that it has returned. Yeah, it's it's a fun thing to have unearthed in such like a a different time. Um, yeah. And another couple things um all you uh, Wii U owners and and active users of the Wii U, uh, the YouTube app has been officially discontinued as of October 27th. <laughs> so if the Wii U was your primary way of, of viewing videos on the internet, I'm sorry. Uh, you can still access it on the Wii U's website, though. Um, I just love this little gem. It's kind of sad watching this happen. In a weird way, like, is anyone actually watching YouTube from their Wii U? The the thing that blows my mind is, like, I saw the headline that was, like, YouTube app has officially been discontinued as of 2022. And I was like, they were fucking, someone at YouTube must have just forgotten that this this was running. It must not cost them a lot to just keep this running. (laughs) What are they going to do next? They're going to, they're going to kill the web browser for the PS3? Like... But yeah, it is it is also funny that like don't worry if the Wii U is still your primary mode of watching YouTube videos, you can still use the web browser. So, you're in luck, but one one more strike against the Wii U community. <laughs> <laughs> the Wii U community is so oppressed. Another um, thing I've got here is um I haven't looked super deep into it, but it looks like the pretty much entire Pokédex for Pokémon Scarlet and Violet have leaked. So, 
look at that if you want. I don't know. The game's out in like two weeks, but if you really want to get in front of that and go see all of the new typing and new names for all the Pokemon in there, knock yourself out. It's on the internet. I'm not going to put links for it in the description. You can find it if you want to, but that's another that's another thing there. There's one more quick little thing I want to shout out here too. Um, I saw on Twitter earlier today that the band Pom Pom Squad, they're, they're a good band, they're from New York, recently had their van broken into while they were touring and they lost a lot of their gear. And I'm going to put a link in the GoFundMe because they're a good band and at least one of them is a gamer because they tweeted that the whoever runs the Twitter account from the band tweeted something to the effect of like, I'm really bummed we lost all of our gear, but I'm almost more bummed that I lost my Switch because it had my Animal Crossing town on it. And I was like, I was really bummed for them. Sounded like they uh they didn't have access to the cloud service, but apparently Nintendo will sometimes make an exception if you contact them and explain the circumstances with which you lost your Switch. So everybody make sure to hold your Switch tight, especially if it has an Animal Crossing save on it that you have not backed up to a cloud anywhere. Yeah, that is that is truly tragic. I just checked their late their <laughs> LinkedIn. Um, I just checked their GoFundMe, and they have actually more than met their goal, which oh, makes me yeah. so happy. Oh, that's awesome! Because they lost a ton of shit. They lost like entire instruments and like guitar yeah. pedals. Someone lost their MacBook. It's just like, oh man, like my just my savings account is is still quivering from buying a single laptop. Um, I cannot imagine losing all of that not to manage like the vehicle was like busted into like that's like damage yeah. to the vehicle yeah um at least on a minor scale so i'm glad this band uh managed to get themselves back on their feet so they can get back to touring and gaming and all of that um the important things in life truly. exactly exactly so i am going to point out it is that time of year where people are going to start reflecting on like what's come out, what's game of the year material. Um, it's it's that season. Uh, the game awards will be on December eighth. I oh will god. be watching. Oh god, it's I forgot soon. About that. It's soon. I only remember because it's like the day after my birthday. Mm -hmm. um, those are my birthday plans, uh, and I have been keeping a list. I have a like list in my journal of games I've played in twenty twenty two. Mm -hmm. I just realized that there's one game I forgot to write in there, which is Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Oof. But I kind of I kind of speed ran that game on a flight uh, during Memorial Day weekend. I don't really remember a whole lot of it. I remember thinking it was cute and having fun, but I just like forgot to write that down in my journal at the time that I had played it. So I'm going to I'm going to list all those out uh, maybe in December, like beginning of December. And I'm going to try to like rank them and and whatnot um so just keep an eye out for that yeah. noah i think you should if if possible could you like try to reflect on what you've played this year yeah i don't i mean i don't have like a a list i need to dive back into like the google docs that we create for each of these episodes because i do have like plenty of those to go back to but True. i'm i'm looking forward to kind of i don't know thinking back i feel like so much of this year has just been a complete and total blur so yeah. I, I am looking forward to going back to like those those Google Docs we made in like January and trying to remember like what the fuck it is I played because off the top of my head, I really don't remember much of what much of what happened at all this year. So I feel like my sense yeah. of time has been so fucked up these past couple of years. So 
Yeah, me too, honestly. I was looking back at that list and I was like, I played like 13 games this year and beat yeah. all of them. Uh, which is kind of That's impressive. highly uh, That's it's really impressive. impressive. It's highly unusual for me. Um, I mean, I did include Shin Megami Tensei Five, even though that game came out late last year. But like, I, yeah, I was played playing it. it and finishing it like January of this year. Yeah, that um, counts. That counts. That counts. Um, basically, what I figured out for myself in life as a like post grad adult who works full time mm-hmm. is that I can either choose to watch TV or I could choose to play video games, but I cannot have both. Oh, and so I feel like each year kind of fluctuates. Like last year, my thing was like I read a fuck ton of books last year. Yeah. And now this year I like played a ton of video games. Maybe next year will be like maybe next year will be like a lighter game year for me. And maybe mm-hmm. I'll get back into TV. I don't know. But it seems uh-huh. like I pick one like media and just go hard yeah. that year. And this year was like a hard like gaming year for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's interesting. I also think this year was a year where like, I don't know about you, but I feel like this year was the year where I finally got around to playing games that people have told me that I would like for like a decade. Mm -hmm. You know, like I finally hmm. finished Persona 3. Yeah, Um, that's true. And I've been wanting to do that since I was like 15. Um, I finally played Hollow Knight. I finally played Fire Emblem Three Houses. Which I will get to very soon. Um, I think this was a big year for me of, like, not being afraid to just not finish games. You know, like, for a long time I felt this impulse of, like, when I start a game, even if I'm not having all that much fun, just, like, dipping out. Video games are the only medium, really, that I approach that. Like, if I'm not enjoying a TV show, I will stop watching it. If I'm losing interest in a book, I will stop reading it, generally. It's really only games that for a long time I was like, oh, I got to push myself through this shit. And I've kind of adopted more of a mentality of like, if I feel like I've gotten everything out of it, like I feel comfortable putting it down and like not not acting like I'm going to come back to it in a month. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come back to that one. So I'm interested to see my list of things and really see like how much of it I even remember and how much of it is like, oh, yeah, I, I booted that up, played it twice enough to like come into this show with something to say about it and never return to it so i don't know yeah i i mean i i can remember one game i don't think you ever finished which was elden ring right like you yeah, were just like yeah. nah. that but that's when i do still plan to come back to you know that, that okay one is so like, elden yeah. ring isn't because you didn't like it no no this is just kind of my relationship with the soulsborne games is like i'll go through i'll go through a month or two long period where like all i want to do is beat my head up against a soulsborne game and then I'll get busy with work or I'll get busy with something else or I'll really want to play a JRPG or something there like something else and I'll just kind of shift away from it and like I can't tell you how many times I've like started a new game and played like the first 10 hours of Bloodborne you know like I feel like I know the first couple areas of Bloodborne like the back of my hand because I've done that chunk of the game so often and I don't feel like I don't feel like I've lost anything for not ever rolling credits on that game because I know I'm going to do it eventually, you know, like I know eventually one of those playthroughs is going to be the one where I I push all the way through. And each time I start one of these games, I push a little bit further each time. Each run of Dark Souls 3 that I start, I get like a little further into it than I did the time before. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
So you think you think you'll come back to Elden Ring? I, I'm certain I will go back to. Do Elden Do you think Ring, yeah. you'll use the same save, or do you think you'll just scrap it? I think it's been lo- it's tough because like part of me, if it were any other soul, if it were Bloodborne, I'd be like, yeah, fuck that save, and I just create a new one. But like the the open world nature of Elden Ring almost has me thinking like, man, and like how exhaustive I was playing it for those first that first like month or two that it was oh i we were both like i was going obsessed. yeah i was going fucking hard on that game so part of me part of me is a little worried that like maybe i won't get as much out of that first chunk of the game playing it again but like i never feel that way when i go back to dark souls 3 or dark souls 1 you know like i still feel like when i play through sen's fortress again like i get something new out of it or i f- i still feel fulfilled even if i know what treasure i'm going to find in there so I don't know. I'm I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm thinking I will probably just end up starting over though and trying to go for a different build. You know? Yeah. Oh, we we love to respec a build exactly. here at, at exactly. Press Start for sure. Yeah. I, that's a great segue into what we're playing now. Yeah. Um. Which you can you can do that. You can you can be the one who starts if you want. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go first. Uh, for starters. Last week, I said the only thing that would stop me from beating Shenmue was if my Dreamcast literally blew up. Well, listeners, I'm here to tell you something else stopped me from beating Shenmue. It was my girlfriend finding a K-drama that she wanted to watch and proceeding to watch 16 hours of TV over the course of the next four days. So I did not beat Shenmue, but my girlfriend was very happy pushing through an entire K-drama in such a short time. She had a great time. So who am I What K-drama? She was watching Romance is a Bonus Book. This is one that, like I've said, we go on these K-drama ventures together fairly often but this is one that i did not embark on with her because like i'm not a binger i'm not i'm not the type who can sit there and watch hours upon hours of tv and my girlfriend can if left to her own devices so for this particular one i was like go with god i am not going to pay attention to this one i'll just look up periodically and ask you questions that i would know the answer to if i was reading the subs and you can enjoy it and so like several nights this week i've like gotten home from work and she'll already be watching it. And by the time I go to bed, she will still be watching it. And I'm like, hey. You, you see, this is this is how Jesse and I are. Like, mm-hmm. he is the binger and I'm the non-binger. Yeah. Except I'm the worst. So I'll be like, go with God. This is your show. Yeah. And then season three, I'm like, I'll watch I'll watch an episode with them out of context. And I'll be like, okay, I'm kind of into this show. Can you give me like, can you give me like the wiki like summary of the past two seasons so i don't have to watch the first two seasons so i can just mm-hmm. keep watching it with you and then i make it into our show and then he can't watch it without me yeah exactly um, i am the worst at it. i did this to better call saul oh god oh god I'm, yeah. I'm the worst i i'm like i've never watched this show and i've never watched breaking bad however these courtroom scenes are fucking insane that's so and funny. like now you've got me I try, so like, <laughs> I try really hard not to do that to her when she finds a show that she really likes because, like, I want to give her the space to, like, have something that is, like, hers to enjoy. But even still, yeah. like, especially in, like, K-dramas are real easy for that or anything that's not in English because I have to watch the subs. So I can just, like, sit on the couch and play video games on my Switch while she watches it and just, like, occasionally oh, look over and be like, oh, man, that was a wild thing to say to that person and then just go right back to looking at my Switch or something. So, yeah, yeah. it's it was working pretty good. But... All this to say, listeners, I did not beat Shenmue, so help me God, I want to beat it next week, but next week's election week, so who fucking knows how much free time Ooh. I'm going to have next week. So I, I do think election week does equal 
uh, Dreamcast blowing up. Did you yeah. do Dreamcast or Saturn? Yeah, it's, it's my Dreamcast, yeah. Yeah, I think that's like of equal volume. We'll see, we'll see, yeah. So uh, I'm going to have to deal with the fact that there's an election next week. But uh, one thing I am still playing is the Dragon Ball Z RPG on the DS. Uh, yes, I, yes, King. <laughs> I'm having so much fun with this game. So last week when I talked about it, I talked more about like how interested I was in the fact that it like sets itself at the part of the story in Dragon Ball Z that it does. And I'm a little further in now, so I can elaborate on that a little more. The game starts before the end of the original Dragon Ball. So like the tutorial of this game is you playing as characters Tien, Krillin, and Yamcha as they are training to participate in like the final tournament arc that ends the original Dragon Ball. And then there is oh, a time skip. And then, like, are you familiar with the story of Dragon Ball Z at all? Uh, I know, like, the characters. I can be like, oh, that's Piccolo. Okay, you yeah. Know, like, I, I, I know them visually, but mm-hmm. it, I never watched it. Yeah. Like, there are so many Dragon Ball Z video games. There is just, like, buku oh, Dragon yeah. Ball Z video like, games. a lot of fighting games, too, if oh, I'm yeah. correct, right? And there's, there's some RPGs, too, back on, like, the Super Nintendo. Like, there are some, but nearly every yeah. Dragon Ball Z video game starts at the beginning of the Saiyan saga at the start of Dragon Ball Z proper, and then just runs through either however much of the show was out at the time when that game came out, or just runs through the entirety of the end of Z. This particular game, like I said, starts at the very end of Dragon Ball, and then runs through only to the end of the Saiyan saga. So I am, I am like a little over half, I'm like around the halfway, a little over the halfway point in this game. And like, I'm only just now at the point or like, I'm at the point now where Goku is dead and Gohan is training and I'm off doing like quirky side story stuff with the other characters. And like, I just know I'm eventually going to get to play as Goku on Snake Way training to fight Vegeta and Nappa for him to like come back from the dead and do all that. Like, it's very familiar plot beats, which is fun because like sometimes I'll get to cutscenes and holy fuck, the text moves slow in this game. Like the text and the way the characters little sprites have to move over to each other to talk it's so fucking slow so sometimes i'll just skip the cutscenes. i'm like this is fine the sprites are great i know the story of dragon ball z i don't need to watch this <laughs> but uh yeah the battles are fun it's got like a paper mario-esque mechanic in the battles where like if you if you press a button you have three party characters or you can have up to three party characters in any given time and each party character is associated with a button on your ds's face buttons and if you press a button as they're about to be attacked it gives you a little visual cue you can reduce the amount of damage they take which is identical to a mechanic that is in like paper mario and super mario rpg and that kind of stuff so it's it's a cool mechanic that makes you that makes these battles even though they are turn-based rpg battles feel really like uh like fast paced and you got to pay attention to it and you got to like really have your hands on your ds ready to press buttons the only issue with that is that my ds is 10 years old and like some of the buttons are a little finicky so like oh is it like a little like not responsive yeah so like whichever character i have my third slot the one who's associated with the b button will inevitably take more damage because my b button takes like significant force to push down on so wow it's, I love it's that. not perfect <laughs> But uh, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm enjoying that. Do they still sell? Um, are you playing? You're playing with a 3ds, right? Yeah, I'm playing on a 3ds. Do they still make like factory made? No, new not anymore. 3- not anymore. Okay. I would have to. 
I would have to get like I think I actually do have another one laying around because my little sister had a 3DS and she like didn't take it with her to college and so like I just kind of stole it and I was like if she ever wants it she can have it back so I have like a purple 3DS sitting around the only thing is I would have to look into putting custom firmware on it because I have custom firmware on mine oh and, god and mm, it like shut it down well it did but it came back so you know it did it did m- but most of that data lives on like the 32 gig sd card that i have inside of there so i i feel like most of that i would be able to just like take the sd card out of mine stick it in hers and just kind of make it run but i know it's not 100 percent that easy so that's something i need to look into just so i can like play on a 3ds that has all the buttons functioning <laughs> but but that's that I'm probably actually going to finish this one because I know the final boss is going to be Vegeta and I like really want to get to like, yeah, the, you're like, I'm into that. <laughs> the, the, the Goku Vegeta fight at the end of this arc of the show when like Goku has just been resurrected with new powers that he learned while he was dead is like, it's such a good fucking anime fight. It like is one of the benchmarks for like good shonen action anime battles. So I'm kind of stoked Truly for that. a top 10 anime battle. It like, truly, no, truly no is. No cap. I have wow. one more thing here I want to share too. This is not a video sure. game, but I did watch the series finale of the most recent season of Doctor Who the other day. Uh, AMA, I guess. I watched an episode of Doctor Who. I have not kept up. Did you ever watch Doctor Who? Hold on, start. No. Okay. No, I mean, I, I did experience a lot of Doctor Who like osmosis via, mm-hmm. via Tumblr during the Matt Smith and David Tennant tenures. A lot, a lot of okay. thirst love thirst oh yeah oh yeah it was a lot of that the um i i've like occasionally jumped back into this show periodically in my senior year of college me and one of my roommates kind of like marathoned a season that neither of us had watched on tv in order to prep for the season that was going to start right after that which was the one with the 13th doctor the woman who just regenerated recently so like we we wanted to get prepped and ready for the the first lady doctor and like that was an okay season the first season with the lady doctor was okay i didn't watch the second season with her and i've like jumped back in periodically when they have like hour and a half long specials on tv it's supremely okay i think doctor who loses some of its magic when it has like special effects that look good and they're trying to make it seem cool you know like uh, oh, like I can see that. I was listening to the latest episode of the Weekly Planet podcast, which is like a good pop culture, like movies and TV shows podcast. And uh, one of the hosts on that show described it as like Doctor Who stopped being good when the the people behind the scenes decided that it needed to be cool. Like before that, the show was supremely uncool. But the people, playing yeah, it's the, like campy. It was right? incredibly like campy. But the people playing the Doctor were trying to make it cool. And they were succeeding. So, like, the showrunners were making a very campy show, but Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant were making it, like, their mission to be as cool and charismatic as possible. And, like, you can argue, people will argue about, like, who this started with, but after that it kind of starts, like, the showrunners are like, wait a minute, we need to make the Doctor the coolest guy in town. And in my, I kind of started to lose interest at that point because, like, I liked it when it was just, like, more campy and the special effects were worse. And it was clearly made on a shoestring budget. Now seasons take so long to make because like special effects aren't easy to do and like huge budgets. But all this to say, the the finale ends with there was recently an announcement that the the next doctor is going to be this actor. His name is Shuti Gatwa. 
He's in a show called Sex Education, which I have not watched any of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you familiar? I, I watched the first couple episodes because one of my roommates in college was watching it. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I so, think it's funny. So the 13th Doctor regenerates and instead of turning into Shuti Gatwa, spoilers for Doctor Who, spoilers for Doctor Who, skip ahead like a minute or two if you don't want to hear this. Um, instead of regenerating into Shuti Gatwa, she regenerates into David Tennant. And everybody was like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> so the the behind the scenes reason apparently is that Shuti Gatwa is off in the US or was off in the US when this was happening filming the Barbie movie, which he is apparently in. So it was it basically came down to like, do we want to take Doctor Who on another year long hiatus or do we want to have something in between, especially since there's going to be like a the 60th anniversary of the show is this next year in 2023. So it was Mm. like, do we want to go on a hiatus during one of these anniversary benchmarks or do we want to like find a doctor who can be an interstitial between like Jodie yeah, Whittaker, interim and doctor, basically. Yeah. So it's it's very funny that it's Matt Smith, especially since I saw a tweet that you was mean like, David Tennant. Fuck yeah, David Tennant. I saw a tweet that was like, and if you're not familiar with it, like the the entirety of the last chunk of David Tennant's run, his tenure as the Doctor, was dominated by this theme of him like like not wanting to stop being David Tennant. Like that entire arc is about him like never even really coming to terms with his own mortality and like the people he loves mortality and then just moving on and now the showrunner who was the showrunner then is coming back and so is the doctor from then and they're going to bring back some of the co-stars and it's like i saw a tweet i think this might have come from a jackson from abnormal mapping heads fall off on twitter said something like uh, I'm really excited to see how Russell T. Davies is going to write himself out of making such like a poignant episode 15 years ago about mortality <laughs> <laughs> by by completely reversing it and bringing back everybody that was involved. So Doctor Who is uh, it's mid, but I had a lot of fun watching it. So that's that's where I'm at yeah. with uh, things I watched and played. Uh, where are you at this week? Yeah. So a couple days ago, I finished the Edelgard. The, sorry, I just finished the Edelgard route. Did you say Edelgard, like with a B? Edel, Edelgard. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, no, but I was still wrong. Um, I finished the Edelgard route in Fire Emblem Three Houses. I have a lot of feelings about it. I feel like, well, first of all, this is my first run, and every single like seasoned fire emblem three houses player i've talked to has been like what the fuck are you doing this is your first run yeah and i'm like yeah because well the the reason why i chose the black eagles which is edelgar's house is because i was talking to you and you were like i've done these two other ones but i haven't done that one and so i just did the one that you didn't do so Mm -hmm. that like between the two of us we have like the three major runs. Of That's Fire true. Emblem, yeah. I guess. Even though I didn't so make I was... it very far into uh, Golden Deer, but I did make it like nearly all the way through on Blue Lions. So yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to have something different to talk about in case you wanted to ever do like a full ass Fire yeah. Emblem Three Houses episode. Um, there's also a, a like DLC path that like neither of us have explored yet, but I am very interested in. Um, so that's how I ended up on this route. And there are two ways that this route can go. And <laughs> I took I I took one. Um, I took one and it ended up being the shortest and hardest yeah. route. Um, and I was like, 
I was woefully unprepared, folks. Like, I had not recruited a single person. And then shit gets really, like, gets really weird really fast. Spoilers for Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yeah, really. I'm just, like, fucking around at the monastery. In, like, chapter 10, which is, like, in part one of the of the game. Mm-hmm. It's, like, before all the goddess stuff happens. I believe it's even before your father dies. Or maybe shortly after. Um, I'm just fucking around in the monastery. I'm just walking around. And Edelgard comes up to me and is like, hey, I'm going on a secret mission <laughs> that no one else but you can know about. Do you want to come with me? And you have like a yes or a no dialogue option. Above it is a disclaimer that says like, your decision will drastically alter the story. <laughs> and I was like, I am just walking around on a Saturday morning. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is going on? I'm about to go to the fishing hole to participate in like the fishing thing or whatever. And I just stumbled upon something ginormous. And so I was like, I've been wanting to romance Edelgard. Edelgard. So I was like, yes, queen. Um, <laughs> You're like, yes, queen, of- anything for you. Yeah, I'm such an Edelgard simp. It's like more than Hubert, honestly. Damn. Um, so just a massive simp. And basically, her secret mission is taking you to her coronation as the new emperor of the, um, like, Adrestian Empire? Of the, yeah. of the Empire. Yeah, I think of the that's empire. it. Um, because her father is too ill and is, like, dying and, like, abdicated. Um, to her, and she is like the eldest, not eldest, no, she's the only like surviving child of her family. Yeah. Um, and so that's how that happens. And then you're like, okay. And then a mission happens. You learn some very interesting things about Edelgard. <clears throat> um, and you have to make the choice whether or not to kill her because yeah. what she is doing is going directly against the order of the church. Yeah. Um, and so in that moment, like, by that point in the game, I was like, okay, your father's, like, Byleth's, Byleth's father's, Gerald's dying words to you are, like, don't trust Rhea. Yeah. Rhea is sus. He, like, faked your death as a baby to get away from Rhea. So, like, the game definitely grooms you to be like, okay, Rhea, Rhea is bad. Yeah. And so it, it was a very clear decision for me that I was, like, not going to kill Edelgard. When you don't kill Edelgard, you side with her. And when you side with her, Rhea, like, loses her shit. Mm-hmm. She, like, turns into a giant dragon. It's, like, it's really bad. Um, And so you basically... And this happens with, like, every path, I guess. Like, you do this fight, and then you pass out, and then you wake up five years later. Mm-hmm. Um, which happens to every, every um, path in this yeah. game. But everyone's grown up. Dimitri's really hot. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> in my that's path, true. here's a fun here's a fun fact. In my path, Dimitri did not have an eye patch. Really? Yeah, Dimitri doesn't really hit the same rock bottom. Oh, weird. In the Edelgard path that he does in the others. So oh yeah, he's a he's interesting. a fucking he's a fucking mess in the Blue Lions run. Like when you when you take yeah. over Dimitri, he is like a, he's like a raving lunatic. Like he he can't speak in complete sentences. He is so just overtaken with rage like you you get to the first mission you have as the blue lions after the time skip is really fun because it's like just dimitri 
and I think you get, like, one other character, too, against just, like, a shitload of bandits, and Dimitri's like, I'm gonna fucking rip every one of you limb from limb, and you just kill a shitload of guys, <laughs> Dimitri. <laughs> like, he is, he's going through it, so that's interesting to hear that in the, in the Edelgard room. Yeah, he's, he's a very, like, competent, like, king, you know what I mean? Wow. Like, he's, he's a king, um, and... Uh, oh, you have to kill him, and it's really fucked up because apparently I've I've been listening to some other podcasts. Apparently, like Dimitri and Edelgard like grew up together and mm-hmm. are kind of like siblings in a way. Yeah. And so, whenever you kill one of the heads of the houses, there's always like the still image that mm-hmm. shows before you kill them. And like she, I'm pretty sure she beheads him. It's like Ugh. it's fucked up. Yeah, it's fucked up. And like she starts crying afterward. And you're one of the only people to see her cry, or at least I was, because like I was like maxing out that link with her. Um, but I talked to her and I'm like, oh my god, you're crying. Are you okay? And she like wipes her eyes and she goes, The Edelgard who cries is dead. Whoa. And you're like, damn, okay, okay. Okay, dude. Um so that happens. She goes like she goes kind of hard. Like she just starts killing people. Like there is it, it there's you just have to do a lot of fucked up things on this path. And, like, I get why you have to do it. Yeah. Because she's, like, trying to abolish the church and trying to abolish basically the concept of, like, hereditary rule and Mm -hmm. nobility and monarchy and trying to basically lay the groundwork for democracy, sort of. So, but in order to do that, you just have to, like, kill everyone. Yeah. And so, like, I had to kill Claude. You have to. You could exile him. But, like, (laughs) It's the, it's the same effect, yeah. essentially. That's so, like, so I killed interesting. Him. And, oh, it's fucked up. Do you want spoilers for, like, the other roots? Like, have you already started no. hearing spoilers? Okay. I I, I've heard some mild spoilers, but I don't want, I don't want ending spoilers. Okay, okay. I, will, I won't say anything then. I, I will just say that that is, that's a very interesting run of the game that, like, my understanding, like, each of them are different in their own special ways based on what I've read about them, but, like, that one is drastically different from the the uh, Blue Lions playthrough. I will say that. Yeah. And so you have to kill people. Um, it's really fucked up. Like, there's one guy who you kill, I believe, in, in Golden Deer that he, like, really loves his little sister. Mm-hmm. And when you kill him, he's like, take care of my sister for me. God. And just, like, horrible shit. Like, I killed Flame and Seteth, who are related to each other mm-hmm. in the same run flame was actually briefly in my house and then she turned against edelgard and we had to kill her whoa holy shit it was fucked up i just fucked up things in this run and then like there is this like weird death cult which it's like i'm sure the other runs dig more into like the lore of this i feel like edelgard's route is like the least lore-y you're like getting her hot takes Mm -hmm. and that's all you get (laughs) Edelgard is like church bad, nobility bad. We're gonna kill everyone. The end. And you're like, got it, and queen. So absolutely. You're like, absolutely queen. And so is Hubert. But like, you'll have these private conversations with Hubert because Hubert distrusts you. He distrusts you because he likes Edelgard. Okay. Um, he's he's simping for her. And if you get close to Edelgard, he'll be like, if you cross me, I'll end your life. And Ooh. you're like, okay, bro. Okay. Um. <laughs> But anyway, Hubert will be like, he'll tell you about this group of people that are called those who slither in the dark. Okay. Those are like Cronia. Those are the people who killed your dad. Oh, okay. And you sort of get this understanding that like, 
Edelgard has collaborated with these people in the past. Yeah. That's how she was able to disguise herself as the Flame Emperor very briefly. Yeah. Um, and that those who slither in the dark are like a very, they're like an evil group of people. They're like the big bad. However, they also hate the church. And so Hubert very, uh, he, Hubert literally says, hey, the enemy of our enemy is our friend. For shit. now. And so you actually kind of collaborate with them to take down the church. And then Edelgard is like, wait, we'll use them. And then once we take down the church, like I will pivot and I will finish them off. God. Um, and so it's really great. It's like some Game of Thrones shit. What's really some Game of Thrones shit is the last battle. Mm-hmm. That was truly some Game of Thrones shit, which I'm just going to disclose here. I played classic mode, permadeath. <laughs> maybe shouldn't have done that. Maybe made things sh- very hard for have, myself. Yeah. I mean, now that I've done it on like the hardest route, now I'm like, well... Um, but if I had known how difficult it would have been, I wouldn't have done that my first run. Yeah. But so like every death felt very precious. I lost Hubert. That was really sad. Um, I lost Dorothea. That was very sad. Um, those are the only two people I lost most of the game until the last battle. Um, but the last battle, you roll up to this city because you know Rhea is there and you're like, gotta kill her, gotta kill her. And it's like this fortress village mm-hmm. and everyone asks like, oh, are you going to like invade the, the city? Are you going to like kill the people, like the civilians in the city? Yeah. And Edelgard's like, no, I'm like, I will not let myself become that. Oh, wow. Um, which I'm like, okay, queen, restraint, restraint. Yeah. Um, but then she's like, I'm only here for one reason. It's to kill Rhea. And like her soldiers. Mm-hmm. And so you get there and you see Catherine, who is like the kind of like knight professor yeah. person. The, cool, the one with the cool um, sword, right? Yeah, she's really hot. Um, <laughs> she is like the informant, like the right hand person to Rhea. And she tells Rhea like, hey, like the Empire forces have arrived. Mm-hmm. Um, and Edelgard offers like, hey, you guys should just surrender and like get all, this, all these villagers out. And yeah. like no one has to die. Um, except for maybe Rhea. Um, and Catherine tells Rhea this, and Rhea goes, no, burn the city down. Whoa. With, like, everyone in it. And so Rhea fucking burns, like, she goes full, like, Daenerys Targaryen, which is funny, because I was telling you, I'm like, I think Edelgard might go Daenerys Targaryen yeah. and start, like, fucking killing people. It wasn't Edelgard who did it, it was Rhea, because Rhea can, like, become a dragon, which is so, like, poetic here, yeah. I guess. Um, huh. So the last, the last battle in the Edelgard route is, like, you in ruins and by the way so the whole city is on fire and if you're standing over a tile that's on fire you take like 10 damage oh that's good that's good so it's just like and there's like you know burnt logs and bits of buildings mm-hmm. you have to like strike through and like oh that's it's, like, great i love that and there's so many enemies and like it was the final battle for me so i'm like if people die they die yeah like we just gotta i just had like linhart like warping people to the front and like people on the Pegasus or people who are flying, like flying. I was like, go in, yeah. go hard. If you die, you die. Go with God. Like, Bye, guys. Go yeah. with God. And so I lost everyone except for myself, Edelgard, Bernadetta, wow. and Linhart. Holy shit. Like we all, it was, a it was fucking, it was fucking epic, dude. Like when I lost Yuritsa, who is the uh, Death Knight. Yeah. I, I gave him such a good sword, too. He took down Catherine. He took down like two, 
of those big dolls that have like the four squares mm-hmm. like, or like a real pain in the ass to kill. He did yeah. that all by himself. Oh my god. He was my real fucking alpha. He basically cleared the path for us to get to Rhea, but he had to he had to take the fall. Where and, like where are you at with this now? Like are you are you gonna immediately jump back in and play another route? Are you are you totally sold on Fire Emblem? Like, what do you how, what are you feeling? I'm I'm definitely Fire Emblem pilled. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm into it. I know the other games are not like Three Houses entirely. Yeah. Like, there's no like calendar, very like Persona e social system, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I know it's not that, but I love the strategy. I love the way how I have to think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it it just feels good to win these battles. Yeah, like I fucking I was smart. It does. Like, it does. It feels really we, good. I won. Yeah, it feels really good. And so, um. Yeah, I'm into it. I I think I'll take a quick break and play like a shorter game. Um I have started playing Tunic. Um Oh cool. Yeah. Like the first 30 minutes. So I think I'll do that and then maybe return to like the DLC run hmm. of or of Three Houses. But yeah, I'm really into this. Are you gonna keep sinking time into three houses or do you think maybe like engage is where you're going with this? Like do you see yourself getting Fire Emblem Engage when it comes out? I do see myself getting Fire Emblem Engage, but I've been hearing that like it's gonna be it's gonna be different from three houses. Yeah. Um and that they're like break like Marth is that I'm very confused. I've seen some people on Reddit compare it to like almost multiverse, like they're just bringing people yeah. back in. I'm just very so- the, What's going on? The way Fire Emblem <laughs> operates is like once every 10 years or so, they do what is basically an anniversary game. And anniversary games are games where like the game will be more of an homage and more filled to the brim with nostalgia and references for past games. So like the last anniversary game was Awakening. And Awakening it Awakening takes place in the same world functionally that um whatchamacallit that the original ones with marth do like it's it's deep 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 in the future not so far deep in the future that they have like modern tech but like it's far enough in the future that like marth is gone and people know but people know who marth is and Mm. there's also a system in awakening where you can they're called bonus box challenges and they're technically one of the quote-unquote wireless features but you can fight and recruit like a ridiculous amount of characters from older games including like all of the lords and they even did like special dlc packs here's a special map where you can go fight roy and now roy is on your team and he has like a unique character uh like 3d model like he's his total oh, own thing cool. so that was the last anniversary game and now we've gone to, I think, because I think it's every, it's every year that ends with the three. So 2013 was when Awakening came out. And now we have 2023 with Engage. The way Engage looks like it's going to work is that <clears throat> you're going to get items that you can equip to your character that are going to give you basically like stands for past Fire Emblem characters. So we haven't seen a ton of this so far, but like in the original trailer for the game, it does show the main Lord character equips a ring that allows them to summon like a spectral stand of marth and then it does additional damage with marth on there too so i like oh, that's cool engage is gonna have its own storyline it looks like it might be going back to a slightly more traditional fire not that three houses was not like still very traditional fire emblem but it looks like we're we're gonna be pulling more from like 
Arthurian mythology, maybe. And well, then again, I don't know. It's it's too soon to really tell. But either way, it looks like they are going to be leaning into this system that allows you to like summon spectral versions of other characters from other games. So it's going to be different, but it uh, I don't think it's going to be like discouraging to play, even if you aren't familiar with the ins and outs of the lore. Yeah, I'm definitely into it. Um, I definitely think I'll do another run soon. I don't know uh, if I'll do the DLC or um, Blue Lions. Uh, Blue Lions does interest me because it seems like the complete opposite of uh, Black Eagles. Based on what I'm hearing, I think that is. Uh, I think that might be largely yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, I married. I married Edelgard. Um, and then the end sequence. Oh, can I just say? Yeah. I romanced Edelgard and Linhart, and hmm. at the end at like my mother's grave i had to decide who to give the ring <gasps> to and i was very very troubling bisexual moment for me i kept that safe file i was like in case in case i want to fight the just last in case two i gotta sit again, back yeah and just like choose Linhart anyway but that's funny i did that and then there's like that long cinematic like epilogue at the end of like what happens to people yeah and basically like edelgard does get what she wants like she restores a like unified oh, wow. Fulin and stuff and like she hubert canonically even though he died in my run mm -hmm. is like the one who handles all the dark cult shit and like keeping them suppressed wow and uh you do get a happy ending That's you just crazy. have to kill a shit ton of people along the way huh. so it's like it's very much like you got the happy ending at what cost yeah Damn. like almost all my friends are dead and I guess we're a whole unified country now. That's cool. Gotta but... gotta crack some eggs, you know? <laughs> gotta crack some eggs, I guess. So, yeah, that's how it was. I love it. I'm very much into it. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, and besides that, I watched the first couple episodes of Chainsaw Man mm -hmm. today. I It's very cool. It's very dark. It, it's a little, like, it kind of reminds me of Tokyo Ghoul. Okay. Um, a guy becomes, you know, a, a chainsaw man, and uh, a lot of fucked up things happen to make that happen. That's about the extent of my uh, knowledge on the show, too. So yeah, yeah, that's that's where I'm at, and uh, really horny, too. Um, so yeah, just uh, the ingredients of a good anime, I guess. Yeah, a good. Yeah, uh, good. Sh I don't even know if it's a shonen. It's like quite dark, but um, yeah. And like I said, I started playing Tunic last night. Very soothing. Mm -hmm. Compared to like the music of Fire Emblem, which is like this like very like da 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 like very like war, like orchestrated music, and Tunic is like a lo-fi playlist. Like I expect like the anime girl to be showing up like studying at her desk, you know, she's like very calming and just like chopping grass. Yeah, vibes. You, you describe this to me as like kind of kind of top-down Zelda e, but also kind of Soulsy, right? Yeah, like you have a sword, you can cut grass. Mm -hmm. Um, you have like three hot buttons that you assign like tools or weapons to. So kind okay. of like N64 Zelda-ish in that way. Okay, interesting. But then like there's no but there's no like item-based puzzles, which is like a fundamental Zelda thing. Hmm. So there's there's not that, but there's the souls element of like dodge rolls and yeah. like uh memorizing attack patterns and like you collect like little coins or little monies or whatever mm -hmm. when you kill an enemy and if you die you have to go back to where your your death spot was to like touch a shadow of yourself almost like the hollow knight yeah it sounds very hollow knighty guy and you touch him and you get all of your things back so oh 
little Zelda, little souls. It, it's interesting. I feel like so many of the other gaming podcasts and like streamers and people I like have played this game, but I have like deliberately gone out of my way to avoid information out of it in a way that I don't normally do about games because I've I've heard that like going into this game blind is a more fun experience and also like I kind of knew from the beginning that this was something I was going to want to play. So I I normally don't go out of my way to ignore info about games, but I really don't know much about Tunic. So I'm I think you picking it up might be the catalyst for for me to finally pick it up on Switch and really come yeah, back yeah. into it. I think I think maybe that'll be like the next one we both play and talk about. Yeah, for sure. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think that's um that's about it for me too. I'm looking forward to uh election season being over with and being able to play video games and not think about politicians. So uh well, for like yeah. for like a week. Well, for like a week. Yeah. yeah. And then it's gonna be it's gonna be just different politicians I have to think of. <laughs> yeah. For context, um the county I grew up in, which borders the county where Noah currently is, mm-hmm. uh it has uh, an election denier as, oh, yeah. as their representative. Oh yeah, there's so, like, there's a whole host of yeah. election deniers. And he wasn't yeah. even the worst candidate. Like he was. <laughs> there, there is a whole host of election deniers running in the area that I cover and in the adjacent areas. So it is. Uh, it's it's really it's really fun. It's really it's really awesome. I just really enjoy it. I enjoy talking to people who live in a completely separate fantasy universe than the one that we all live in. Actually, so. Tori, where can people find you on Twitter or other websites that aren't Twitter? Um, you can find me on Twitter still. Uh, perhaps for a limited time only. We'll for see. A uh, time only. At Tori underscore as underscore always. And if I come up with any other accounts, I will let you know. We'll, we'll put a pin in that. You'll be the first to hear. Um, I'm on Twitter at Noah underscore Hertz spelled H-U-R-T-S. I'm also, like I said, on co-host for now. I don't know how long this is going to last or how uh, how much it's going to be used, but I'm on co-host at Noah-Hertz, spelled the same way, H-U-R-T-S. The show's on Twitter at press underscore start pod. I know we're also on TikTok, but I don't think we're on any other platforms at the moment, so keep your eyes peeled, I guess. You can email in questions, hot takes, uh, questions about the video game gift exchange if you have any anything like that over to hey press start at gmail.com our show art is by kai at wisp graphics our music and cool sound effects are by the artist geist and you can listen to more of their stuff at noahgeist.bandcamp.com the show is produced by me for the most part the video game news are found and uh, sifted through sifted through the video game news minds by the both of us and i think that's everything we got anything you want to add tori go vote go vote yeah go vote and then and then play play some video games afterward i i did the time a very a very good method i did was i I voted early, and then as a little treat, I picked up Persona Five Royal oh, for okay. the Switch. So that was that was my incentive. There that you was go. My gift. That was your that was your gift for participating in uh, electoral politics. So in a crumbling democracy. Congratulations, yes. you did it. You did harm reduction. <laughs> I think I think that's everything we got though. So uh, thanks for listening. 